This is Marguerite Bennett, and you are listening to the Top 5 Comics Podcast. Welcome to Top 5 Comics, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. Today, from the bowels of the Sinister Six, we have this diabolical Mysterio with Curtis. It smells down here. <laughs> Why do I have to be in the bowels? <laughs> it's smoky. We have the sandy chafe of the Sandman with Ross. Hi. <laughs> He's making pearls over there. <laughs> <laughs> we have the electric boogaloo with Electro as CBS. I thought I had something for that, but I don't. That was more shocking than I thought. This is line played by Curtis. <laughs> and we have the man in the indestructible full-size onesie rhino suit, the rhino as Rob. Hi. I, I'm indestructible in a onesie. <laughs> it's all one it's okay, I have snaps in my crotch so I can get out. Oh, I wish there were snaps in my crotch. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a snap! <laughs> Stop pulling on it! Oh, God. Oh, God. Sometimes I wonder. Uh, Alright, so uh, books today, we're going to be doing the... We're going to do a, a slight overview of... Secret Wars, currently at, at issue three, so we'll do a brief overview of that guy as a thing. And then, uh, Future Imperfect, number one, Groot, number one, Master of Kung Fu, number one, and then Batman Beyond, also number one. Oh. Episode today is episode number 59. 59? That was good timing. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's go and start things off with Ross and the dog pile with some news. God damn it. <laughs> well, I, I actually don't have a whole lot of comic book news. They do have some kind of cool video game stuff, I guess, and that they announced Fallout 4, which I think Curtis is a little bit happy about. Yeah, I'm extremely happy about it. It's actually surprising we were talking about that just before yeah. we got started. Yeah. So, Fallout 4 is going to be set in... Boston. Where Fallout 3 was in D.C. Okay. So they're in the same area, so it's going to be a lot of fun. I think they're going to have Fenway Park in there. <laughs> All right. It's going to be awesome to go up on the Green Monster if that's possible. It'd be surprising if they had it in there and you weren't able to do anything inside of it. That's what you... Anyway, there's some... Sp- <laughs> <laughs> Walk right into that one. Oh, there's speculation, maybe, from the trailer that I just showed Rob, that um, we may see some pre-war, some pre-Fallout stuff in it. Huh, okay. Which I think would be kind of cool. But they also did that in Fallout 3 in the water treatment plant. Well, no, when the, when they were going to the water treatment plant where they went into some VR hubs 
and okay. we're back in like the fifties, and you had to like destroy somebody's marriage and do something else. You were a little kid, and huh. yeah, so that was a short little segment in it, but it was it was fun. So right on, that's cool. Yeah, it's, it's, I, are you looking forward to it? Mm-hmm. I mean, did you play Fallout Three at all? I, you let me borrow it. Did you play it? A little bit. Okay. It was pretty fun. I don't remember at all. That must have been a long time ago. It was a little ways ago. Okay. A little bit of time ago. A little but, ways ago. <laughs> but on that, I'll probably play some more Fallout 3. That's the only game that I've actually ever played. Like, I think I'm on four four playthroughs right now. Dang. Because it's different each time. Because it's such an expansive world. It's actually what got me into, like, first-person shooters. Because I never used to play them. And that came out in 08. And I got it in 2010. And it's... Like my all-time favorite game. Jeez. So I mean, I I used to play Doom. I used to play uh, Wolfenstein and Duke Nukem. Right. But those were different. These are high effects, high everything, and I hadn't played a first-person shooter and really liked it until Fallout Three. But you can change between first-person and third-person too, where you can ask. you can yeah. see your your dude and uh, Skyrim and all that. Yeah. That's what I liked about Skyrim, actually. Yeah, you, you can, can change your view. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you can do that in Fallout 3. If they do that in Fallout 4, that'd be awesome. I'd be surprised if they took it out of there. If it was an option, it'd be great if they got rid of it. And I don't do online gaming, and they were trying to do a Fallout MMO. If if there's online gaming for this one, I'll probably try some online gaming. Huh. Just to get more... Right. I don't know. I'll probably play through it once, and then play through it again, and then again, and again, and then try... <laughs> online stuff. Right. Now you might know about this where I didn't. I, I heard that there was like a, a rumor for Fallout Three that there was like an extra patch about China. Oh yeah, that's not about China. I think what you're thinking about is uh, the Alaska mission. Probably. It, it's a DLC. Okay. And it's an Alaska mission, and that's a fairly good mission too. Now that was based out of the New Vegas or out of Fallout Three, actually. Three. Okay. Yeah. And although New Vegas got a lot of bad press, you really enjoyed it. I know Brad enjoyed it. No, I enjoyed New Vegas. It was just different. And mm. anything different than the original, because, I mean, there was Fallout 1 and 2, but those are computer games. Those are old school. They also had another Fallout where it was like a uh, uh, strategy game, and it was a computer game. But Fallout 3 really broke the mold in my eyes. I'm not, I'm not going to profess that I'm the smartest person at Fallout 3 at all. I just love the game a lot. I don't... I don't follow a lot of games like that, but that's cool. <clears throat> Not all. That's pretty sweet. So I'm 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 interested to see where this one goes. Uh, people were bitching about the effects in the trailer. Fuck, go outside <laughs> if you're gonna bitch about effects. Just go outside. Yeah, it's not gonna be real life. Just stop it. Take well. it for what it's worth. Fallout Three had so many glitches. So many glitches. I had to start and restart my PS3 thousands of times. Oh, my gosh. But the game kept bringing me back to it mm-hmm. because it froze. I don't give a crap. Yeah, there's going to be glitches. Yeah, it's not the best. It doesn't look real life, but god dang, go you outside. You want real life, yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And this, and, and the commercial or the trailer has a dog that's very prevalent in it, and you follow the dog through, and it flashes between Fallout and pre-fallout, fallout, pre-fallout. So you see the dog going through this house, and then it goes up to a crib, and you see a family at the crib because it flashes into pre-fallout. And then you see the dog at the crib post-fallout. So it, it's kind of cool wow, the way okay. the way the trailer actually tracks this dog through it and gives you an idea of what's going to happen. 
crazy. Yeah. Sweet. Right on. And I'm a big fan of dogs, so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if, if you can get dog meat or whatever this dog's name is going to be, that's the one thing they actually go for first. Because when I <laughs> first got Fallout, uh, I was talking with Rob about it, and Rob's like, yeah, there's a dog in it, and I think you can go, like, to Minefield. No, it was a junkyard. Yeah, it was a junkyard. And that's the first thing that I went online to find out where the junkyard was and made my way up there through a fellow and all that. I'm really surprised I found that before you did. I wasn't playing it like you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, you've gotten much further than I have. So. Oh, yeah. I could, uh, hours at a time without even breathing, <laughs> it felt like. You know that's what I mean? That's what I did with Skyrim. Oh, definitely. Know? Yeah, I found the dog very first. It's then. very, yeah, yeah. It's very addictive. And the thing with Fallout, if you, if you play it on, like, the uh, easiest mode... If you don't play it on the easiest mode, your dog can get killed, but your dog has a litter of puppies that you can go back and get another one. But if you play it on the easiest, your dog won't get killed. He'll just go unconscious, and then he'll revive. So that's what I do. I don't care about fights and stuff. I care about the exploration of everything. Because the first time I went around the map and just got all that I could, all the cities and stuff, that way you can fast travel to them. Oh, all right. But it's fun. It'll be a good time, I hope. Cool. That's sweet. And I, I guess if we're doing games, like I, there, there's just a little bit about uh, Assassin's Creed uh, Syndicate, which is already pretty close to relaunch. It actually looks fantastic. It's going to be set in, um, like the steam industry, steam, steam era London. I can't remember they were. They had a name for it. Victorian era. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I think the Victorian era. Cool thing for this is it's going to have two twin characters as your main characters, and you're going to be able to switch back and forth between the two of them. So it's already going to be out pretty soon, though. So that's cool. I tried playing Assassin's Creed, and I bought like the first three. Mm-hmm. Couldn't do it, and I don't know what it was. You know, I, a lot of people have a hard time with one. Jump to two and check it out, and see if you want to come back to one. Okay. Because um, Black Flag was out when I bought those. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'll give it a try. And I couldn't get through it. Yeah, I, I love them. I haven't played Black Flag yet, though, so... Black Flag was fun for me for a little bit, but I got pretty old for me. Okay. But I had a hard time with the sailing parts, and that's not like an but, but I love Dishonored, and I heard that's the same kind of gameplay, so I maybe I might have to give two a chance. Mm-hmm. Like One was... What they built was revolutionary. Mm-hmm. And when you play one to two... Like, 2 is just so much better than 1 was. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I could go from 2 back, you know, because well, there's is, just it, so much difference. Is it the same VR? I mean, because in the first one you had to go into this this VR tube the, and then... The Animus? Whatever it's called. Yes. And then go back and fight in France yes. or whatever. You're still, you're still doing that. I just don't like that aspect of it, I guess. Um, you do less of it in 2. You kind of do less of that all the way up until um, you're done with 3. And then I don't know what it's going to be after 3. Um, by the time you get to like the extra games, like Brotherhood or Revelations, like in Brotherhood, if you choose not to, you don't ever have to leave the, the world of the Animus to go back and talk to anybody. You can just stay in there the whole time. That's what I would like. <clears throat> but yeah, that would... For me, that was like the sneakiest secret, is I never even knew that the, the Animus was a part of it. So, See, I didn't like the real world stuff you had to do in it. Mm. I want I want to fight 
red coats and stuff like that. It's you know what I mean? In the past. So <laughs> when I understand uh, for Black Flag, uh, they say the, the best thing to do really is just to do all the online stuff or all the on land stuff first, upgrade the heck out of your ship and then go sail. Hmm. But the problem with real time sailing is that it's real time boring sometimes. Yeah. So. He says, pack a lunch, is what he said. <laughs> what else happened? So, uh... Marvel. What are some... Marvel? Yeah, what were you going to say, Ross? Oh, I just... Last thing, and it kind of ties between video games and comics. And that they've had a really cool Mega Man comic for a while now. And they just announced that in 2017, which is Mega Man's 30th anniversary... They're going to have a Mega Man cartoon come out by Man of Action. Mm-hmm. Joe did, Kelly? Yeah, and they did uh, the Marvel Avengers, the last Avengers cartoon mm-hmm. that was out, and Ben 10 and all the kind of action-y cartoon network stuff. So that should be pretty good. Yeah, it'll be neat to see. <clears throat> That's cool. That's interesting. And we did see some Marvel stuff too, Curtis. What was that? Oh, all new, all different, whatever Rob called it. All new, all different Avengers. <laughs> That's not what you said earlier. No. No, no. it's it's going to, I don't know. Uh, Ala- Axel Alonso, who's the main editor of Marvel, said that this is going to be the next 50 to 75 years. And they released two promo images. Let me go through the promo images. Sure. So we have Dr. Spectrum on one. So these promo images actually have Iron Man in the middle of both of them, and it pisses me off. But the one thing that makes me happy is that Hawkeye's not on them. (laughs) So we have Dr. Spectrum, we have Citizen V, The Thing, and Rocket Raccoon in the same uniform. And they actually, I think Rocket Raccoon's actually flipping off the camera, but they have a little thing over it. Uh, Hyperion, we have Karnak. Who doesn't look like Karnak? He looks like he's got some street level clothes on. Yeah, you had to tell me about yeah. that was Karnak. Did you see his return, by the way? I did not. Oh, man. What's okay. it in? Continue. Oh. I'll tell you about uh, it. Inferno, Medusa. Then we have Daredevil in a new costume. It's a black costume with red highlights. Uh, we have a new Wolverine who's got the old looking Wolverine costume, but it's a female, and it's been, it's been said that it's X23. Uh, Star-Lord, we have Doctor Strange with a battle axe, which is awesome. awesome. And then we have Old Man Logan. So he survived. And the second one we have with asshole Iron Man in the front, too. Um, He means the superior Iron Man. Spider-Gwen, Agent Coulson, Spider-Woman, Black Panther, uh, Sam Cap. Not Sandcat. It means uh, Captain Falcon. Uh, Spider-Man. Steve Rogers, the super soldier. Vision. We have Miles Morales, Spider-Man, I believe. Uh, Jane Foster, Thor. Ant-Man, Miss Marvel, and Red Wolf. But no Lobo. But no Lobo. It's too bad. He might be in there. Maybe just my and he's rocking in the most Indian costume you could possibly rock. Anything. It's awesome. So yeah, if if uh, Red Wolf replaces Hawkeye, I'm good <laughs> with it. I'm okay well, with that's it. That's a that's an odd lineup of whatever. It is. It is kind of. I don't odd. know what it's foretelling, really. You know, <clears throat> I maybe it's the two different Avengers groups, 
And that's what they're going to do. And there's no actual real mutants in it, it looks like. Well, that's because Fox can't get along with Disney, and Disney can't get along so, with Fox. I was going to say, I did the other Marvel thing I heard. Huh. They put out like their image for 2015 or whatever, and none of the X-Men or the Fantastic Four are on it. Well, that's the that's that that one? But it's got the thing on it. Yeah, and it has uh, X-23 is. X-23 and Right, so I don't know... Uh, I wonder if, because I think they're continuing uh, Uncanny Avengers. I don't know. As far as, like, titles, there's a few of this that are continuing, and the list isn't huge. But as far as, like, this, I, I think all this is doing is, like, peppering what they're going to try to go with. And a uh, homeboy statement about, next 75 years. Dude, I find it surprising if you're still around a comic book 75 years, bro. But as far as the rest of it's concerned, I guess we'll see. I don't know how long that's going to last. No. I mean, yeah. they've made these kind of promises before, and two years later, we're rebooting the whole universe again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. <clears throat> so. Well, all new X-Men was going to be all new and all black leather forever, too. Mutants aren't going to be pretty anymore. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. So, like, whatever. you got to blame the movies for that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Blame the movies for Fantastic Four and for X-Men also. Yeah, but they're not part of Marvel anymore, Doesn't matter. it seems. They weren't part of Marvel then, either. <laughs> What are you yelling at me for? I'm not yelling at you, I'm just saying. God, what's with just, the hostility? I'm just saying, the mouse makes me mad sometimes. But, That's um, all. They did, they did kind of give us a taste of the all-new, all-different Avengers. Right. And Free Comic Day. And actually, it feels a lot like Old Universe. It really does. So, right. I mean, the only real difference was Miles was there, and they refer to things as if the Iron Man that we have is not Tony. Although we don't know. We never see him without the helmet. Now, it could easily be why there's two different Hopefully... Maybe Tony's dead, and these are just his drones. Why do you think with his subconscious? Mm. That's just multiple Tonys, then. Just robot ones. That, why would? Why do we have two on two separate teasers? That's a good point. It's well, the same one too. Huh. I, Iron Man is, you know, a big face of Marvel. I hate Iron Man. No, regardless, you still know who he is. You recognize him. him. You're hater. I know love. who Hitler is too, and I hate him. Mm, there you go. <laughs> now, I'm not equating Hitler and Iron Man. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Kung Fury yeah. will take care this, of both of them. A slippery slope there, but you're right. Kung Fury will stop both of them. Um, my guess is it's somebody else inside the suit, but probably. Who knows? Yeah, we'll see. Me. The idea of X twenty three playing the part of Wolverine, I think, is a cool idea. But yeah, but why can't she just be X twenty three? Yeah, it's a, a good question. Well, it's the same reason Falcon can't just be Falcon. Right. He yeah. can. I wish he no, could. No, he can't. He could be Captain Falcon as far as that goes. I like the guy. <laughs> but they just what I call him. I call him Mr. Falcon. There you go. That's the different. best. <laughs> he could be Yippie Kaye, Mr. Falcon, that's all right. day long. All right. Well, that's enough news and hate, I guess. <laughs> no sort hate. of. I mean, a little can bit. Can we rename our segment to that? <laughs> news and hate? I'll put it to vote next meeting. <laughs> Although, I, Red Wolf, I don't know. He, he actually could be really cool. Sorry. 21st century Red Wolf. He's got weird white painted face. I don't know if he's always... You know what they call that? Whitewashing in Hollywood. (laughs) What? No? Only me over here? You can go burn, sir. (laughs) (laughs) All right. said after all that, why you come up with that? You're like looking at me like, oh, into your costume, don't you say anything. Whitewash. (laughs) Man... I can't help people say other things. That ain't my fault. Wait, didn't you say it? What? Just now, yeah. 
What are you trying to say, Ross? That you might have been able to help it. You son of a... I'll show you the... Something. The... <laughs> Patrick Chief grow is a... Yeah, he looks cool. Look, Chuck! Yep. He grows. Yep. That's what I'm going to do to get out of here now. Okay. All right. Uh, so, okay. Let's move on to some Secret Wars overview, which is not really a book title, but it's more a chit-chat about the overview, I guess. Just to let you know, there will be spoilers. So, Rob, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, Secret Wars there, huh? Well, Secret Wars, so far, we've got three issues. Um, a lot of people kind of, I don't know, I mean, this book didn't feel like it was advertised properly. Because it really didn't feel like it was going to have the impact that it's going to have. Like it's end-of-the-world kind of book? Yeah. And it's definitely not the same as the Secret War that people have had before. I've already had a lot of people ask me, like, oh, is this just rehashing? It's not. It has almost nothing to do with that. It's really just a recycling of names. And that's exactly what we're going to be continuing to see as Secret War comes out. We're going to recycle Civil War. We're going to recycle Infinity Gem. Or, I'm sorry, the Infinity, Infinity War. Yeah. Um, Planet Hulk. Any of the titles that you've heard over the last couple of years are going to have a Battle World tie-in. And it's just a recycling of the names. The events are going to be kind of similar, but it's not retelling those stories. It's so. just it's events taking place in the time that those stories came out. Yes. Or rehashing events from those stories into a newer well, era. It's kind of nutshell what we got going on so far in Secret War. Through a lot of what was happening in New Avengers and Avengers leading up to this point, Doctor Doom has found where the Beyonders resided. He, Doctor Strange, Molecule Man, all three of them went into this. And coming through it, Doctor Doom basically came out as a god. He reforged the world using bits and pieces of all the worlds that were left. The world that he's made has places that we're familiar with, but they're all kind of jammed together. The idea is that the worlds are all supposed to be separate and they're not supposed to be crossing between borders. And as he's gone, the longer this Earth rotates, the more people just become synced up with this reality. So they talked about, I think in issue three, how you know at first it was hard for people to come to grips with it, but the longer the Earth has been around, the more people just accept that this is the world that they've always lived in. So... Um, like, so for instance, using the Infinity Gauntlet. In that world, the Thanos that's there in this kind of destroyed city and the little family that's going to become touched by the Nova Force, that's the whole world that they've ever known. Mm -hmm. But the world for Secret Wars is going to be so big that we're not really touching a lot of it in Secret War itself. We see certain things, like we see where the wall is, and we see how the Thors are used as kind of a police force. And we see how Dr. Doom has set, or Doom in this case, has set himself up as a god, and kind of his own in, internal doubts, and like how he's been changed by the power of this. But we don't see the smaller stories. So like the one that we're going to talk to with you about for Future Imperfect, or Shang-Chi, or... Um, Old Man Logan. Old Man Logan. We see how they affect the bigger world. But it's not going to be in Secret War that we do that. It feels like a <clears throat> convergence of some type. This is what they pitched convergence to be. But this is the real deal. 
Convergence is a good story, but it's not great. This story is a great story, and it's going to have it's going to have an impact once this is all said and done. But the other half is the Convergence stories, all the side stories. They were fun. They were good reads to go back and be able to visit characters that we haven't seen in a long time. But they weren't real stories unto themselves. So far, all these offshoots for Marvel have seemed like they're going to be real stories into themselves. Because <clears throat> the Convergence ones seemed like they were... They didn't matter. You know what I mean? Like the Swamp Thing one. It didn't matter that story. That was just a place in time at that point where the story was going through. There was no consequence afterward. Exactly. That's what I thought about it, too. Kind of negligible. That's what that's the word I was going to use, but... Right. It's true. There were negligible stories. It didn't matter in the grand scheme of the convergence. Yeah. And I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, in, in the overall of it, yeah, good stories, but at the same time, did the Harley Quinn story affect the convergence story itself? No. Did Captain Carrot affect it? No. Did Swamp Thing affect it? No. So, different. But yeah, I, I don't know. Do you think that maybe uh, Secret Wars here is a lot like Flashpoint, except... On a grander scale. Yeah, I actually kind of think it's exactly like Flashpoint. Right, that's kind of what I thought too. And I think when it's done, we're going to see a lot of the copies of characters merge together. Because we are actually seeing multiple versions of the same character sometimes. The way that they've kind of gotten around that so far is that every chunk is supposed to be separate. And so, you know, the King or God Doom has like kind of forbid people from crossing. So we haven't had a whole grip of people like finding their doppelganger yet. But they're going to be out there. Um, to make things even more interesting, before the story um, really starts in, in Secret Wars 1, the Secret Wars 0, that was a free comic book day as well, had uh, Valerie, which we know, what you think of her, um, build an arc. And this arc was supposed to save 160-some-odd characters, or people. These... People were supposed to be, you know, hand-picked scientists and people that were going to help rebuild the world. And the only real, like, uh, selfish kind of characters that were coming along was going to be Reed Richards' family and Black Panther. And, like, everybody else was going to be the guys that were going to rebuild the world. In Secret War, or right before Secret War starts, actually, most of them actually get killed. And they have to do the contingency plan, which winds up being a lot of other kind of people that they didn't originally think they were going to take. So Captain Marvel... Uh, Thor, Spider-Man, a handful of others, Star-Lord. These characters were supposed to be saved from the destruction of our Earth. Well, we find out pretty quickly in Secret War that there's a, a, villain, uh, a villain's capsule as well that has saved a version of Thanos, a version of Approxima Midnight, Glaive, Maximus, Namor, and Terax. And kind of one of the big elements that we're seeing at the beginning of Secret Wars here is that arc has been found, and they've been released into this new world. And what we found out is characters like Doctor Strange, they still remember the old universe. They'd already found our heroes' arc and never released them because they felt like this world was working better. But now that the, uh, the villain's arc has been found... I think it's time to release, you know, our heroes. So we're going to see the characters that are actually the 616 heroes that we know now as a part of this whole Secret Wars world, along with kind of these villains that we've been building in Avengers for the last, I don't know, two years or so, three years. 
Yeah, something like that. As far as the setup's concerned, like, they basically herald the end of Ultimate Universe and 616 Universe at the very beginning of this whole thing. Yeah. So whatever the outcome is at the end of it, the amalgam that appears that it's going to be, uh, interesting, but it really is kind of like Flashpointy. Yeah. Now, when I was reading it, it felt a lot more like Flashpoint than it feels like Convergence. And I think coming out the other side, the universe is not, in my mind at least, it doesn't seem like it's going to be a lot different from the 616, but there's going to be things that are different. Yeah. It's not going to be just that Miles is here from the Ultimate Universe. It's going to be that Miles has always been here. Hmm. You know? And so... Well, it'd be interesting if they wind up doing it as a restitching of the universe instead. Which, in that case, I guess we could see a bunch of other characters kind of come back from the dead or well, whatever. We also see Old Man Logan. Yeah, which is also another weird thing. And Karnak's so, back. Yeah. Well, Karnak's already back, though. He did come back before this point. But Still. He's, he's got a cool hoodie, you know? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. We'll have to see how that all plays out, I guess. But to try to boast it's going to be the next, well, the next 50 years of comics. Really? Mm-hmm. I Come don't, on, dude. I don't think any title has over 30 issues anymore no. in in the current world of comics, which is... Super annoying. It's terrible. Yeah. But... Oh, well. Batman. We, we're not there yet, Ross. We're 40. Shut up, Ross. 41. <laughs> you and your counting... Counting all the time. Justice League. Put your shoes back on. God. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Surprisingly, DC has kept a lot of its titles running. Here's my thing, dude. If they would just make miniseries, call it good, do a miniseries here, do another miniseries there, instead of rebooting one every 24 months. You know what I mean? Just make miniseries. That's all you got to do. Mm-hmm. That way people aren't pissed, oh, this is volume 17, issue 1, you know, just miniseries it and give it a name. I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate on two parts here. Uh, one is, I think the only reason they don't do the miniseries is they're afraid that they'll lose the longtime subscriber. Good. Not good for the industry. No. Yeah, but, Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just. If they do that, that, they're gonna f- see the error of their way, and go back to numbering. I, I would imagine. Maybe. Which I, I want it to continue with the numbers, and I understand their thought that it's gonna bring new readers. If they, if they really want to go that route, miniseries all of it. It'd be so much easier than rebooting every twenty-four months. And I, I think that's kind of what they were trying to do with the trade onlys. Was they were trying to make that like a mini? The original but, graphic novels? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you get six issues, make that a miniseries. Next, it's still going to be a, a continual story, but it's just going to be number one of this miniseries, number one of this miniseries. That's what it feels like they're wanting to do. And I understand losing the longtime subscribers, but they're They're gearing, kind of already doing that. Right. They're gearing it toward the newer readers, the newer generation who wait for trades anyway. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the tricky thing coming out of Secret Wars 2 is, like, I don't know how psyched I am, but I don't know. We'll see. All new, all different actually looks pretty good. <laughs> so what's, what was your second point? Oh, I, I, unfortunately, I think you already hit it on the head, which is that you know, number ones bring more readers, which 
I don't know if that's really the case, as much as they just bring more sales. We don't see it here as much. No. Well, I, not not as much as in big cities, but you can kind of see it here even. Right. In, in our cells. People, I'm really surprised how many people come in and just will not even look at a book mm-hmm. that doesn't say number one. Right. Or this is issue six. Do you have the first five? No, because I sold out. Well, I can't read it unless I get the first five. Yeah, I can't even look at it. Yeah. So. Which, I mean, honestly, if, if you're new to reading comics, ask your, your comic book retailer. More often than not, they will know when an arc is going to start and where to get you on. You don't have to be confused. You don't have to be afraid. It doesn't have to be number one. <laughs> I think but, everybody here can say they started in the high 50s to 100 when we started reading comics. Yeah, I started in the mid nineties with Fantastic Four. Yeah, so that was in the what? God, you're like in five hundred, four hundred, five hundred mark. Yeah, mm-hmm. I and was, I mean, you pick them up off the rack because it interests you. Mm-hmm. You could care less what the story is at that point. Once you get into the story, it kind of tells you what's going to happen. But I think the comic market is geared more toward collections of trades. I think that's where they're gearing it toward because that's where they make a lot of their money is on trades. Yeah, I, I and you can't thing. argue with The Walking Dead because they sell trades left and right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they sell regular issues too. But as far as the trades, like if it wasn't for the boon of the show, the book would still be going, but it wouldn't be something everybody in the world knew. No, I, I agree with that. So, as far as volumes before that show, has Agents of Shield got more readers interested oh, in comic no. books? No, it doesn't. It doesn't work unless it's an Agents of Shield comic book. Even that one doesn't do right. So not here at least. I mean, it's not a bad book, but it doesn't do bad. I think Walking Dead is a strange anomaly. anomaly? Yes, agreed. Because it, it's actually one of the few times that it's brought show fans to comics. Mm-hmm. But that's all they buy. Yeah, true. They don't. They don't branch out from that. But that's all they. That's all they want. So it's an anomaly. Which I can't fault them for that. No. And the thing is, it used to be bad to be a nerd and a geek, but that's become pop culture itself. Right. Everybody knows who these people are. It, there, there's no designated line anymore. And I've always hated those terms anyway, but that's ex- essentially what everybody has become. Because these people in higher places, uh, actors, um, people that make a lot of money still follow The Walking Dead. So it's transcended nerd geek culture, and it's no longer a bad thing to be called that. Yeah. So, the, the terms themselves have been dealt away with for a while. the The problem is that the what they all, I don't know. I, this isn't really a problem, I guess. I guess the old terminology for it, back when I don't know, let's say ten years ago, was being a geek or a nerd meant one thing. You were a guy who lived in the basement of your grandma's house, didn't know what a shower was. Or what a bar of soap was for, and that's all you did. Yeah, it was a bad year for me. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm telling you, it was horrible for the rest of us, too. Dude, I was the only one in school that read comic books. Yeah? Only one. Nobody else knew who these people were. But right. now everybody, and that's not resentment. I don't have any no, resentment for it. It's just everybody knows who these people are now. Right. It's, well, I mean, it's gotten bigger, and that, it's the that stereotype's still there, but it's not the same thing as it was. No, it's like a cool thing now. Right. It's not. Yeah. Well, not the part about the showers, because those people still exist. God, they still Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> My God. Yeah. But it's not, 
also, it's like all of a sudden they figured out there was one co- more than one color of horse. There's hmm. more than one color of horse. It's amazing because they call it Appaloosa. It's it's surprising. Isn't that a place? Appaloosa uh, man. It is. Yeah. They got named after a horse. It's very colorful. I don't think that's he's that's not true, Ross. Uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> anyway, back uh, to Secret Wars. Let's uh, yeah, let's, let's do a little little more. Is that all we got for Secret Wars? Rob, is that game? Because at uh, this point, that's I think where they should be three now. Yeah, Secret Wars has just been a fantastic read. If you haven't checked it out, do get into it. It's going to be really big. It if you liked Flashpoint, yes, it's very reminiscent of that. So it's definitely worth checking out. And all the side books, I think they're really important. They're not going to move ahead the regular Secret War story. But they're going to tell a story that's fantastic. It almost feels like to me that Marvel is testing the waters about characters who people want. That's what it kind of feels like. Whereas DC was like, hey, we got this cool idea where Casey uh, Superman is going to be taking on Superboy. But ultimately, that's not going to matter. Yeah, it was more like they were doing Elseworlds stories or what ifs. Mm-hmm. And they just decided to do it company-wise. Which, those are fun too, but they're also... What ifs or Elseworlds, and while right. some of them are awesome, I mean, Red Sun Superman's freaking great. Gotham by Gaslamp, freaking great. But even those will have consequences in the story. No, mm-hmm. yes, that's true. None of these uh, really seem right. Any so it's more what ify because like Wolverine, Lord of the Vampires is pretty much the end of but, it. With Wolverine, Lord of the Vampires, right. when it ended. But it just feels like these actual Secret Wars. Um, what are they called? I, I guess it's Battle World titles. Battle World knockoffs, not knockoffs, but one-offs. Tie-ins or whatever. Tie-ins, tie-ins. actually seem like they'll be consequential in continuity itself. Very possible. Mm-hmm. So, Maybe not to the main reading focus of the main storyline, but I think in the end, the pieces that build out of it are probably going to be reminiscent from it. Right. Because so. these, these tie-ins actually have continuity in them as well from the yeah. previous stuff. They do. They have some. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a crazy mess, but it's been pretty cool, actually. Interesting to see where things go afterwards. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, we'll see. But either way, yeah, Secret Wars, awesome. Give Continue. it a five. Boom. Yeah, I'd, four. At, at this, this point, point, I would give it a four. Yeah, four I'd and give and it a four. Yeah, it's I, pretty good. And the art on the series has been great, so. Mm-hmm. I, I like Jonathan Hickman stuff, but there's times where definitely he takes its course that I don't like. And so far, this has been fantastic, so... We'll see. And it seems like this was his brainchild. Yeah, he's definitely been working this for years now. Um, even Infinity, like events before this event, it's like everything led from that first issue one of Avengers that he started on. So like that was freaking weird. It was a cryptic book. Yeah. So cryptic. Super bizarre. Yeah, it's been me of uh, Jeff Johns and all his stuff he does, right. like how he was doing Booster Gold and writing stuff on the yeah, like Talk two Wars. years prior. Yeah, to wear the Red Lantern. Mm. Yeah, now maybe new editor guy has a point. He'll be around for fifty years, just cramming out right and left. Yeah. Well, it, and it seems that uh, the Marvel creators are more in line and have a, a single uh, vision, whereas DC was kind of piecemeal back then. Maybe, yeah. and and Jeff Johns was leading it. Whereas, yeah, we have Jonathan Hickman, but we also have Charles Soule, uh, Sam Humphreys, all these other writers right. that are on the same retreat with him talking about the same story, so it all has consequence. Gotcha. That's how it feels to me. Anyway. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. If you haven't tried it yet, give it a try, because it's, 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 it is crazy. It's wild. And if you felt lost during Convergence, 
It, for some reason, the Marvel one doesn't feel that way. It's weird. Like, I don't... Convergence, by issue two, I'm, a lot of people were like, I don't know who we're dealing with. But this one, it you, it's obviously a Doom we're not used to, and uh, Doctor Strange doesn't look right at all, but for some reason it just seems to work. And I don't know why that is. I think they're just very straightforward with it. Maybe. Maybe that's why. I, mean, I don't think that they tried to be like, ooh, we're going to try to trick you. Nothing in the shadows. Yeah, well, for the most part, no. Yeah. I mean, even even Doctor Doom seems more straightforward mm-hmm. than not. Even Mr. Sinister seems more straightforward. <laughs> Which is weird, because his whole deal is being sinister. Yeah. And sneaky. Have you seen his beard? My God. I'm looking at yours. I know, right? It's not quite the same, but it's, it's there. It could get there. Maybe. All right, let's move on to uh, Future Imperfect by Marvel number one. Yeah. All right. Ms. Curtis, tell me a story about Imperfect. So, <clears throat> let me preface this by saying I love the maestro. I think he's very underutilized as a villain in the Marvel Universe. But it's hard to use him correctly, I think. Anyway, this takes place on uh, Earth 6200, I believe. And we have Janice Jones, who is Rick Jones' descendant of some type, grand-granddaughter. Uh, we start out with Ruby Summers, mm-hmm. who is Ruby Quartz. Her body's made out of Ruby Quartz. She's walking through the desert of uh, this dystopia, the outside desert of dystopia where Maestro rules. So she's walking through the desert. She sees this old man in the in the sand, and she goes over to him, and she says, I'm going to check this dude out, because if he's dead, I'm going to take his stuff. But if he's not, I'm going to try and help him. So she goes over to him, and she finds out that, hey, this is Odin. She doesn't believe him at first, and he says, yeah, I'm, I'm the god Odin. Uh-huh. So she decides that she's going to help Odin and take him back to Dystopia. Well, Dystopia has an underground for all the refugees from Maestro's reign. So uh, Ruby meets up with Janice and Scooter, and they take Odin down below uh, to where all the refugees are. And the way they kind of make sure that they're going to be safe is they have, like, a mind reader. So they call over this mind reader, and she goes to read his mind, and lo and behold, she finds out that it is actually Robert Bruce Banner. Old Robert Bruce Banner, with the beard, the hair that looks like Odin. And uh, Janice is like, oh, he's going to kill us all. And he turns into the maestro. And uh, he starts in his little diatribe of saying, no, I'm reformed, I'm better. And then he starts laughing, said, I almost made it through that with with a straight face. And they're on the fight with him. And it's a fairly... Long fight, it seems, and Ruby gets out her Octic Blast and starts blasting on him, and he gets shot by Janice and Scooter, and he goes after them. He steps on Janice's trident, which gives her her power, and uh, he starts yapping his milly mouth stuff, and there's a voice-off panel that says, well, why don't you shut up? And there's a big reveal at the end. So, uh, the maestro in this is he seems very powerful right but he seems a little bit not as powerful as he should be and i don't know what he's what his deal is with infiltrating this but i'm guessing he just needs wants to take out the refugees i would i would assume so but if you see the um preview for the next book 
the cover gives away who it is. Okay. So you're not missing much. But, uh, yeah, it's written by Peter David, who wrote the first uh, Future Imperfect and that 17 Years of the Hulk. Oh, man, that's true, yeah. And Greg Land, and colored by, um, what's his name, Steve? I know exactly who it is. It's a really weird name. No, it's Jake Woodward, I think. Nolan Woodward, and lettered by VCs Joe Sabino. So, yeah, I mean, Peter David had that character. I right, mean, that yeah. was his. That was his kid for 17 years. He created this character. Um, there's actually, I talk about this before, but this was the time when I was coming into comics. It was around Future Imperfect. And then he had the What Savage Beast book, which deals with the Maestro 2. And Earth 6200, I think that's what it is. But uh, that book, it's an actual novel. And that's like the only book, that's the first book that I ever read. Jeez. So I've got a lot of ties with this character, and it, it strikes chords. Um, I'm excited for it. There's the way he just tricks people. That's pretty good he's setup, Odin, yeah. you know what I mean? That's pretty, was pretty, yeah, that's pretty good. And, of course, Odin has is the son of Thor, and I guess the Thors are a police force for Doom. Mm-hmm. So they're like, well, maybe we shouldn't help him, maybe we should. But ultimately they decide, yeah, we're going to take him down. And he turns into Maestro. So right. it's fairly cool the way it's done, some subterfuge. Um, yeah, I'll give it a four. Cool. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, it doesn't it, it doesn't feel like you need to read all the others to get this. I think that's with all the books, is you could read this, and it gives a little preface of what happened prior and, and what's going on. So, yeah, I'd give it a four. Cool. Yeah, uh, Mr. Rob? I, I haven't got to read all of them yet, so I, I hope that you don't. I know that one of them at least like is much better if you read the other Secret Wars. But um, I kind of wonder now if he's privy to you know, knowledge of stuff that happened before. Because he talks to them about, you know, oh yeah, I was you know, Odin the, and Thor was my son. Like, they're all used to Thor being plural as, as an army force. Mm-hmm. Or a police force for God Doom. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if he knows things that the rest of them don't know. But yeah, he he might be a little a little weaker, but uh, yeah, he's pretty out of control. So mm-hmm. I, I'd give it a four as well. I really liked it. That was really good. Right on, uh, Mr. Ross. I'd give it a four as well. That's a four too. Four as well. <laughs> I like Peter David stuff. So right, right on. I mean, I give it three and a half. The art's pretty tight. Uh, the reveal catch in the middle is pretty cool. Like the whole the impersonation, I guess, is what you'd call it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, book wide, give it three and a half. Good stuff. Uh, let's move on to Groot. Ross, you want to tell me a story about Tree Man? Yep. It's Groot number one. It is Groot number one. Groot number one starts with Groot and Rocket in a space van that is broken down in the middle of nowhere. Is it by the side of the river? Uh, you know, like Space River, maybe? Galactic Stream. Yep. Uh, they broke down, and Root wants to go to Earth, and Rocket can't understand why, because Earth is worthless to him. A bunch of people look the same. Um, and so, Root tries hitchhiking, and there's just a bunch of craziness that happens in there. Um... Everything from scrolls 
uh, Space Sharks. And then one of my favorites is a uh, reference to Superman, where they steal their, like, a baby Superman spaceship to try to get back to Earth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of, lot of just crazy stuff in there. Um, it's pretty... It wasn't Rocker Raccoon to me. Yeah, I know that's kind of what they're trying to go for, is, like, if you read Rocker Raccoon, you'll want to read Groot afterwards. And there was a lot of similarities, but it, it just wasn't the same type of book to me, I guess. Mm -hmm. It still was funny. It still had its moments. The art was still cartoony like that. But but was was the funny brought forth by Groot? No, or... it was still very much rocket driven. Right. And it's kind of odd to me. And, I, and without giving it away, I don't know how they're going to... I'm assuming they'll probably have Groot team up with other characters to kind of deliver the comedy portions mm -hmm. of it. But yeah, it's definitely more of a of a rocket one in this first issue at least. So I'm, I'm wondering if it's going to be like a Groot team-up. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Where you get Rocket and then the next one you get um, Star-Lord and mm. then Gamora, Drax, maybe Venom now. Oh, well, if they're going to Earth, it could be. Right. Could be anybody. Um, overall, I'd probably give the book a three and a half. I enjoyed it. I wasn't expecting to, but it was pretty good. Like I said, it wasn't the same as Rocker Raccoon was to me, but it still was a pretty good book. Right on. And you also have a high affinity for, for uh, Scotty Young and for Parker, so... Yeah, more. I really, really like Jake Parker. Scotty Young's pretty good, too, but I'm definitely a big fan of Parker, and it's not quite the same, not having him on it, so... Right. But right. not bad, still. All right. Um, let's see, score-wise, man, you know, I give it three and a half also. Like it's, the art is pretty fun, and I like the, uh, there's a point where Rocket's getting cocooned, and just the way Rocket talks to Groot, I don't know, it's, it's still, it's, to me, it's the same. I mean, it's still very Han Solo Chewy, and now we're going to have Chewie's adventure, and I think that's what that's going to be. Hopefully, I don't know, we'll see. Like, as far as the first book's concerned, though, it's, I thought it was pretty, I don't know, there's definitely funny parts in there, man. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of really funny stuff. But yeah, I give it three and a half also. Um, Mr. Curtis? Well, I've got some affinity for the Rocket Raccoon 2, the last series, but I've never been a Scotty Young fan. But I think his art lends to that book better than, I don't know, anybody else's except for Jake Parker's. And they're very similar. Jake Definitely. Parker and Scotty Young are, yeah. But, I mean, I think Jake Parker drew to that because mm. Jake Parker's crazy. Yeah. But I think he drew more to that to uh, maybe follow in Scotty Young's footsteps as yeah. opposed to making it his own. It definitely wasn't very noticeable when right. he switched over. Right. But uh, I'll give it a three. I just I don't I don't I don't foresee this being a long series. I really don't. So I I, I thought Rocket was going to go further, but evidently it wasn't getting the cells or something. I don't know why the hell they would take that off the shelves. Yeah, it surprised I, me too. I think it's just because of Secret Wars, really. I think that's the only reason. Not happy about it. Understandable. Uh, was Rob? Uh, I'd go ahead and give it a three as well. Really enjoyed the stuff of the scroll in there. Mm -hmm. Everybody looked like little Jetson characters, kind of. Except for they were all the same Jetson character, which was mm -hmm. great. See, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's all right. You're, you're good. That's no, I'm just, it, it relies too much on outside references to me. 
You know what I yeah. mean? Where Rocket Raccoon was funny because it was Rocket Raccoon, mm. not because of his outside influences most of the time. So, sorry about that. No, that's right. We'll have to see how it, how it turns out the rest of the way. But yeah, I'd give it a three. I, I enjoyed the first one, so I thought it was a lot of fun. Right on. Okay, uh, let's do some, uh, let's see what's up. Masters of Kung Fu, number one. Rob, tell us about Shang-Chi. Well, Masters of Kung Fu, uh, once again, is another Battle World story. This is actually a really, really well done, thought out story. I know Hayden Blackman is the writer, and I'm probably going to butcher the name of the penciler, but Delabro Telgico? Yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't know if yeah. I've ever seen Delabro Telgic. And I don't know if I've ever seen him. Telgic. It sounds like a shampoo. He's. I think he did. Uh, God dang. Remember that Bullseye series? Oh yeah. I think he was the artist in that. Really? I think. Okay. I can't. I kind of see that when you say that. But, uh, huh? Okay. But maybe. he did. He did some Deadpool, I think, too. Hmm. God, I can't remember. Sorry. Go ahead. That's right. Uh, has a great eye for kung fu, though. Like this story, probably one of the best. Like just kung fu in comics, I've seen in a while. Really, really well done in how how he did his movements. Um, basically, to boil down the story, in this particular part of Battle World, everything's put through the kung fu filter. So the Punisher, Elektra, any kind of hero that you can think of basically fell into, like, one of these martial arts schools. Um, the way that they kind of tell the story is that there was all-out warfare between all the different martial clans. In the end, it wound up coming down between the Iron Fist and the Ten Ring Master. The battle was so intense that it actually wound up destroying most of the world. And they finally realized, like, oh, wow, we're killing everyone doing this. And so they decided to set up a arena that one champion would go in and face off against another, and that's how they would decide who is going to be kind of like the king of the martial arts world, which kind of runs everything in this. Um, and they went on a little while about the lineage of who was in charge until we come to our current era, which is, once again, the Ten Rings master is in charge. And he's been in charge for about 20 years now. Um... That's where we find Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi is the son of the Ten Ring Master. And the Ten Ring Master is also, you know, this crazy despot, and everybody's living under his iron rule. Now, Shang-Chi, as we find him in the story, is a drunkard, and actually has this whole point where they're trying to vacate the park of bums, and they come to try to vacate him, and he has this whole funny little thing where he's talking to this dog that's beside him, and he keeps, like, making it sound like they're talking to the dog. Like... They want the dog to leave the park. And it's like, well, I'm trying to get him to leave, but he's small. <laughs> and like, they're already to the point of like, we're going to just kill you if you don't leave the park. And they're like, no, burning the dog is terrible. It's a horrible thing to do. We find from there, you know, that he has some martial skills because obviously he has to defend himself when they try to burn him alive. And we also find that there's kind of a group of martial artists that have been waiting for somebody to stand up to the Ten Rings. And a lot of them are surprisingly like Callisto and a lot of the mutants, including like a, a Kitty Pride that can phase through things, that are actually like this underground movement that has been waiting for somebody to champion their cause of like removing the Ten Ring Master. Now, here's where it gets a little sticky. Shang-Chi has been banned from the capital for killing the Iron Fist Master. 
So the Ironfist students already have a like they're out for his death. The other half is the Tin Rings Master is Shang-Chi's father. Right. And so he's been wanting to have Shang-Chi executed for a while now because of this. Mm. So once this whole story really unfolds, it's probably going to put him against his father, which is interesting in a way because if you know Shang-Chi's story, that's kind of his whole story, was that he found out his father was a terrible man and he had to wind up destroying his own father and then to move forward. So that may be where the story comes in. But what I love about it is just the... the the way that they built all the other characters out, you recognize them sometimes, but they're so much steeped in the martial world that they're almost a different character. So we know Red Psy is Electra. But like the Smiling Man, I don't have any idea who that is. Huh. Even though he uses like fire and ice powers in combination. I know he's a related character. And even though we know that the Iron Fist is Danny Rand, he looks a lot different as well. And the other thing that's kind of neat is you look in the backgrounds, you're going to see a lot of different unique martial versions of heroes that we already know. So, like, there's evidently even a clan of Punishers that are out there that have, like, kind of the skull motif for their deal. And then they also sneak in a few characters, like um, the three that come and face him early on is, like, um, it's Blade... Uh, I'm sorry, Razor Fist, Typhoid Mary... And I think she uses this dark black magic. I can't remember her name now. Shoot. Regardless, like, they bring these characters in, and they're reminiscent of the character that you know, but, like, they're very much in the kung fu filter, so. Uh, I, I had, like, actually zero expectations for this book, reading the write-up for it. I really didn't think much. I Blew me away. It's probably the best Shang Chi book they've done in a while. So I, I give it, I give it a five just because it like knocked me out for how good it was. So, right on. Uh, who's Curtis? I don't know. Shang Chi's hard to get right. I'll give it uh, probably a three and a half. All right. I will say this is not the noble Shang Chi. Right. But uh, I think they did a good job. <laughs> right on. Um, you know, I guess I'd fall curse and give it a three and a half. Yeah, it's not bad. It's, I mean, entertainment-wise. The art's pretty good in it. And, like, what little bit... I don't know. What little bit we get from it. Like you said, if it goes back to, to his whole father and him not getting along, the original storyline's Fu Ming Chu is his father. Mm-hmm. And then Fu Ming Chu turned out to be also the villain he was trying to fight. Yes. So, like, that's a cool correlation, I think. Yeah, I like that. So, that's interesting. I, I think it's neat that it's it's kind of mirroring the the original story. Right. Um, Just slightly different. Yeah. Mm. And, and it's, it's well done in the fact that it's not that he's learning Kung Fu. He's already kind of a master in himself. But whatever his traits are, whatever his abilities are, he's actually kept secret for a while. And we kind of find out through the course of that story that his father has been like living in fear of him showing up just wherever he would just because he knew he was around now that he's afraid of what he can do but I think that's what we're going to find out is that Shang-Chi is a lot tougher than he even seems right now right right Ross uh, Master's Kung Fu I'd give it a three and a half I like the 
the kung fuification of the other heroes and the dog in school. Right on. All right. Uh, well, let's go and move on to Batman Beyond by Mr. Dan Jurgens. And uh, while we were up in Denver, we got to do a little interview with Dan, which will follow the follow the book review, I guess, with uh, the interview from Dan from Den- Denver Comic Con. So, uh, book wise, we've got Dan Jurgens. Uh, the guy doing the art for it uh, is Bernard Chang. Bernard Chang, yeah. So, I mean, the art is pretty fantastic, actually. Yeah. Like, I, the, the cover is pretty awesome. The interior art is really good. Like, I like, like it a lot. Um, this book is basically falling directly out of Future's End. And the way, if you didn't read Future's End, the end for it leads to where we are at in this book. And it's very heavily tied, like, almost directly across from that series. Um, so we start out with Batman Beyond, which if you're a fan, fan of the cartoon show, then... You have a basic idea of what's going on, but this is not the same at all. I mean, costume-wise, it's the same, but we're not even dealing with... This isn't Terry McGinnis. It's someone else in the suit. Um, and it opens up pretty... Oh, no, fairly normal. He's uh, stopping a couple... Crim- we got a group of Joker thugs uh, breaking into a facility to steal and shut down a security grid, which we find out that the security grid is basically what's keeping Gotham from being seen by Brother I. And if you're reading Earth 2, Brother I was a major problem in Earth 2. And Not in Earth Future's, 2. In, Future's, in, in Future's End and in Earth 2. Uh, well, I guess it's Earth 2, World's End. Yeah. So Future's End, World's End connect really heavily together. Either way, both times, Brother I's a problem. Yeah. And this version of the future, which is not our normal Batman Beyond future... Is also kind of a wasteland a little bit. Um, and it seems Gotham's been spared, whereas the rest of the world is a complete wreck. Anyway, in the process of the robbery, um, our current Batman Beyond uh, is challenged by one of the Jokers. And she, it's a female Joker, and she asks, Why is Gotham spared and everyone else, the rest of the world is just destroyed? And at one point, he, he starts questioning that himself. And of course, as he talks to his suit AI, which is Alfred, much like the Jarvis thing with uh, Tony Stark, uh, Alfred's not aware of everything from this future either, because he, he knows it's different. He's just not sure exactly how different. Anyway, um, things move forward a little bit, and uh, our current Batman Beyond decides he needs to get some more information, and he needs to find somebody to talk to, and somebody to ask things of. And so he decides to locate... Uh, Terry McGinnis's brother, and the, his brother's caretaker, and the two of them kind of give him some more information about the world and explain how everything fell apart. A bunch of people died, and a bunch of other cities were exterminated and eradicated, and possibly the Justice League's dead, maybe. And uh, they explain that the reason why the two of them are connected is because she basically adopted Terry's brother after his family was dead. So, as far as, like, the world's concerned, it, it's a, it's kind of not like a total wasteland everywhere, but it, it's not, it's not a very friendly place to be at, regardless of whether you're a hero or not. I mean, it's kind of falling apart at this point. Yeah. It's very much at the, it, towards the end of a fall apart, because, like, everything's a mess, everything's rationing, uh, people are, are constantly under scrutiny by the, whatever little bit of police force there is, and then by Brother Eye, of course, which is, like, the worst thing ever. 
anyway, um, so he decides to take a trip to find some more stuff out. In the process, he winds up flying through uh, um, what was New York and seeing uh, the Statue of Liberty basically buried in the uh, harbor, for the most part. Very, very Planet Apesy. I was say Planet Apes. So. Very much so, yeah. And uh, that leads him to a compound. Uh, he's heard rumors of a place that they that they're keeping heroes or keeping refugees. And he, he decides, well, if I go there, maybe I can find some of these people that are still around. Um, in the process, he runs into brother-eyed crazy Superman. Mm-hmm. So, like, Superman with straight up, like, crab legs, crazy laser gun hand, half man, half crazy robot. And, uh, yeah, he's not in control of himself. And so uh, he fights Superman for a second. Uh, manages to take him out with the suit, but in the process, fries the suit a little bit. Um, so now he's basically stranded outside this, uh, facility, and he decides, well, the easiest way for me to hide is to hide in plain sight, while the suit tries to recharge and reboot. So he leads himself into the compound, um, along with the other refugees or prisoners, and he's not met with a great reception, uh, but we do get another reveal towards the end of this book that is like a dun-dun-dun, where we're going to be going with it. So... Without revealing everything else, I think Dan might go over some of this stuff in the interview too. So there'll be a little bit that gets given away that I didn't give away. But whatever, the reveal at the end is kind of is pretty cool actually. So uh, as far as like books are concerned, I like Batman Beyond a lot. This is vastly different, but still kind of awesome. Um, I would give it a four. Uh, the art's really good. The storyline's pretty entertaining, and they've tried to do Batman Beyond stories before, and the one that followed direct out of the show, I liked just fine, but apparently it didn't, it didn't strike hard enough, because I think it was too much of the same. And the one that followed it was a mixture of Batman Beyond and Justice League Beyond, and it was good too, but they were all like really short stories, and so it was like you're buying half a comic book every time. Anyway, uh, so if if you were burnt out on both those, give this one a try, because like I said, it's vastly different, and we're not... Our cast is even different, which is cool. Uh, so what I say, four? Boom, four. Uh, Curtis? I like the cover. <laughs> and I like Dan Jurgens. Because <clears throat> the cover's got a... Looks like a dude in shiny knight armor riding a giant Dalmatian. Yeah, well, you know. But then we do have a glimpse of, uh, like, Superman. Right. Beyond, and uh, the Green Lantern, Hawkman, and Big Barda's daughter. Yeah. I can't remember. I think remember that's that. actually Big Barda. I think, yeah, I think it is actually Barda and Mr. Really? It's just Big Barda, yeah. Well, Big Barda's in it, so. No, I, so I like the cartoon. Right. I like Terry McGinnis. I liked a number of books that came out after that. I just couldn't get on board with the books. Right. This is kind of turning that on its face and making it somebody else. Right. Um, I don't know. I'll give it... I like Dan a lot, though. That's my problem. Right. I don't... The thing is about the colorist, uh, Mayalo, right. I do not like the colorist. Yeah, we were talking about that the other day. Uh, it's not that I don't like him. I don't like what he does in some of the panels where it's just one color. Right. Well, he's got he's to have it in his uh, action shots where he'll leave the hero colored, but then he makes the background. No, no, he cover, colors the, the hero, too. Or, well, depending on which character it is. But like, he'll rush out the entire background to be, like, a, very much white with almost, like, ink lines colored. Yeah. 
and it it's usually like a, an orange or yeah. a dark or a red orange or red and I just yeah. do not like it because he did that in Justice League United too. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And I just I couldn't. I mean, I've seen that back in the past, like in the eighties. Right. But that was when coloring techniques were was simple. The same thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think he could do a lot better. And I I don't know if it's I don't know. It just seems lazy to me. It may try to be an impact point where hey, pay attention to this panel because it's going to go off the chain here. I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be like. I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be an action point. Like the couple times we see it in here with Batman Beyond doing strikes, he's still colored like Batman Beyond, but Batman Beyond's full black, so that doesn't really help a whole lot. With an orange background. Yeah, uh, orange background for Pop, and then red Stupid. outline on the character. I, I don't like it at all. Understandable. Um, I'll probably give it a three because of that. Okay. If the panels were colored correctly, it, I think it takes you out of it when you're reading, and it's an abrupt. Oh crap! This is different. Right. Instead of. I, I can read and pay attention to panels when they're important. I don't need to have it colored specially. Right. And I don't okay. know if I'm the only one that feels that way, but um, I'll give it a three. It's got to be a three. Right. If it wasn't for that, I'd probably give it a four. Cool. Mr. Rob? I, I had a similar thing with uh, one of the action comics runs where, for whatever reason, the guy would get yellow in people's teeth. Yeah. It drove me nuts. I just I threw me out of the book every single time. Mm-hmm. So, um, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, that broken Statue of Liberty is is very reminiscent of Commandy, which is one of the guys. That's oh, on that's the cover. right. Yeah, Commandy. That's true. Um, and I, I wish I would have had the forethought to ask about that because we have Commandy and Old Brother Eye on the cover. So I'm kind of wondering if those guys are going to play a role in this. Um, it'll be interesting to see what's going to happen because we know that some things were changed because of Terry going back in time in Future's End. Right. But not everything has changed. No. And well, and like the way the cover's set up, the split behind Batman Beyond, the one side has has uh, um, Commandy. Commandy, gosh. It's like the Future's End. It's like the, the yeah. Stuff. The <laughs> way they're set apart from each other, one side is like Batman Beyond the Justice League Beyond. The other side is Commandy and uh, Omac and the Tiger, um, the Tiger guy that Commandy usually winds up dealing with. Mm-hmm. And then the dude with the dog and the, the night riding him. Same side. Anyway, it's it's an interesting dynamic. Go on, Rob. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Um, we we kind of got spoiled a little bit because we talked about we talked with Dan about it, and he he mentioned a few things that don't appear in this book yet that I'm really excited to see because. Uh, Batman Beyond has a very unique history, and it'll be neat to see this new Batman Beyond dealing with the things that that are in the Batman Beyond world that he has never seen before. I know that sounds entirely cryptic, like I almost didn't say anything, but... <laughs> Good job. It, it may make more sense when you listen to the interview. Um, I give it a three and a half. I really enjoyed it. I think it's going to be a neat run, so I'm excited to see what they do with it. And I, I really like the guy who's... In the suit, so... Right on. We'll see. Uh, Mr. Ross? Oh, I really like Dan Jurgens, And I think writing, uh, like, future-y stuff is something he's good at, obviously, from his past with Booster Gold. Right. Um, I was expecting something different, like I think most people were, when they said Batman Beyond was finally going to be in continuity. Because we've had Batman Beyond before, but he's never actually been part of the DC continuity until Future's End. Right, and Future's End, the time-traveling back to the past, which was our future, yeah. Mm. 
and there are there are some really really cool things going on in this. I don't know if I like the mix of like the Futures End and Batman Beyond stuff going on. And oddly enough, normally I really like like the more animated looking things. I think this book is a little bit too over the top with that. Um, I would give it a three though. Uh, just I love Batman Beyond. It's one of my favorite things in general. But uh, this book wasn't quite what I was expecting it to be, and that's both a good and a bad thing to me. So, well, what about the panel coloring? You didn't panel, mention the that. panel coloring was off too. Okay, thank God I'm not the only one. <laughs> just trying to just trying to help him over there. No, I didn't. Do you remember the Justice League United book? You don't remember that. I remember. It was but also I don't. it was also the Green Lantern Corps. Yeah, I when know. Bernard Chain. Uh, yeah, it was in the it was the same crap. Yeah, not crap. The guy's got same talent. technique. The guy's got talent. I just do not like that panels. Those panels. The the odd coloring. Okay. Okay. I can't. I can't. I can't argue. I, that I have the same problem when ink lines are are like for the color on the skin when they're uh, changed to a, a lighter tone for the or a darker tone for the skin when instead of just an ink line. Um, I like the yeah. dark ink lines for some reason. I guess it's old school. I don't know, but right. I'm yeah. stupid. Teach their own. I don't know if that it's was the right all, answer. It's all good. I mean, everybody has what they like. Right. So. Okay. Um, well, let's go and run. We'll go and run the uh, Dan Jurgens. Dan Jurgens interview from the uh, Denver Comic Con. Denver Comic Con. Yeah. <laughs> This is Steve with Top 5 Comics and Rob. Also with Top 5 Comics. And we are here with Dan Jurgens, who is not with Top 5 Comics, but it looks like a lot of fun and would like to be. Very excellent. We appreciate that, Dan. Thanks for taking some time to talk to us. So, what we understand, like currently right now, you're getting ready, you're taking over, moving into the miniseries for Batmite. Right. And we're working on to Batman Beyond. Yes. Uh, can you give us a little bit about Batman Beyond? There was just a huge turn for the character at the end of Future's End. There was, yes. And what people, to fill in a little bit of backstory, um, in the course of Future's End, Terry McGinnis, who everybody knows as Batman Beyond, came back into the world five years from now to deal with Brother Eye. And in the course of all that, sadly, Terry died. Uh, Tim Drake, who you also know as Robin and Red Robin, actually put on the Batman Beyond suit and has now gone into the future. And it is actually Tim Drake who is functioning as Batman Beyond. And what we are doing is very consciously taking some aspects of DC's present, like Tim Drake, DC's classic future timeline, which everybody recognizes with Commandy and things like that, right. along with the Batman Beyond animated universe future timeline, and we're merging all of that together to build a cohesive future timeline for the current DCU. It's just like a big blender of the whole thing. Yeah, we try to be a little bit more coordinated than just the blender, but <laughs> well, but yeah, yes. in a way, that's exactly right. And and that's one of the reasons we want Tim to function that way is so we do have that touch point to the current DCU. Right, right. Now, I assume at some point during the series we'll find out a little more about him and Batman's uh, outs as it was from before, maybe? Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, as we get into this and explore things, one of the things we also said is that the future he ended up in is not necessarily exactly the same as the future that uh, uh, Terry McGinnis left. There are some differences. Brother Eye is still there. Uh, he's certainly an aspect of the story. But there's a lot of new stuff, too. And I think most importantly, 
there are going to be a lot of things that longtime Batman Beyond fans recognize, and a lot of his characters, that they'll see and latch on to. Okay. I think with the most recent, we see a little preview, we saw Terry's brother. Yeah, and Matt McGinnis, yeah. Right. Obviously, he's aged a little bit. He's a couple of years older than he was in the cartoon. But I think that really set things up right away so that people understand that we are dealing with that universe. And obviously, he's going to have a compelling story to tell because of the loss of his brother. Well, understandable, yeah. Are we also going to be seeing the Justice League Beyond characters make an appearance again? We're going to be dealing with some Justice League stuff, yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, is, is there a possibility that we might see Rip Hunter and Booster Gold? I think any time you're dealing with future timelines and stories, anything is possible. However, to be perfectly fair, right now we really do want to concentrate on Tim Drake and those rich Batman Beyond characters. There are so many of them. And whether it was uh, Batman's allies or the villains, I mean... One of the best things about Batman Beyond was he had a great roster of villains. So all of that is on the board. Yeah, for sure. Ink, there's all kinds of villains that were really awesome that he had. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and uh, by now I think we've already sent out, you know, solicitations for issue two and obviously would have recognized a very familiar villain, villain and I think probably Batman's best villain uh, on the cover of that one. Awesome. And, we'll, and we also have moving into, uh, we're going to have the mini-series for Batmite. Yes. Batmite is just our chance to do some off-the-wall, fun, crazy stuff. And, you know, for people who are familiar with Batmite, they all know he's just this, you know, crazy little imp anyway, right, who is like Batman's number one fan. We're twisting that a little bit and making him um, more of an advisor to Batman. He thinks he knows better. He thinks he can uh, tell Batman how to be better at his job. And he's certainly capable of going up to any hero in the DCU and saying, you know, I'm here to help you be a better you. Just listen to me. And the problem is, anybody who listens to Batmite quickly goes down the wrong path because uh, it just leads to disaster all the time. Well, generally chaos ensues when it follows him. I mean, it's, it's pretty oh, much yeah. a bag. Yeah, it does. And uh, Corinne Howell is drawing the book. She's a talented young newcomer who's doing great, uh, great work. Really expressive stuff. And... Her Batmite characterizations are just wonderful. He's so expressive, as are all of the other characters in the book, that just makes it a fun romp. And uh, it's very different. And I think it really fits in a nice little niche with something like Bizarro and even Prez. And it's really fun to be part of an effort where we can do some different stuff like that. Sure, and both of those actually look pretty exciting, too. And the Bizarro previews look really cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it does look like it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, now, of course, Batmite... Now, I'm not 100% up on him, but he's, he's like Mistleplick, right? Uh, a little bit. I mean, I, obviously, I would guess that when he originally showed up, he was probably influenced by Mitchell's Pitalik, and they said, hey, we know a good thing when we see it, let's do it again, right? Yeah. And I think that was obviously part of his, of his creation. He changed a little bit years later to be just like this great fan of Batman, and we're changing him a little bit more to just be like this uber editor who really is absolutely convinced he can fix any hero in the DCU. And as I said before, the problem with trying to fix something is he makes it worse. That's awesome. Both of those sounds super fun. Um, it, in general, is a question out of, uh, a general, like, about you. And, when you Was there a point, when did you decide, like, is there a point in your career, or before your career, actually, was there a point where you thought, man, I really want to make comic books, and what... What was your? What was the point that made you be what you are? Was there just was there a book you saw, or was there just a point in time where you thought, "Man, I can do this"? 
Well, I think I, I think it was a lot younger. Uh, it was probably right around, you know, sixth grade that I realized that I was so uh, I found comics so enchanting and the the lure of them so strong, a powerful magnet that I knew somehow I wanted to do stuff like that. That didn't necessarily mean I was ever going to end it. I just, you know, when you're sixth grade, you don't think things well, out. Sure, you know, yeah. the game plan isn't there. But I, I always knew that I wanted to be a storyteller and writing and drawing stories. And the interesting thing about, I think, comics is if you write and draw them, it allows you more control than just about any other storytelling medium. Sure, sure. And so I think that's what pulled me in. I've always wanted to write and draw. And I always just look at it as being a storyteller. That's awesome. Do you have were there influences, like artists, artist-wise and writer-wise? I mean, after all, I mean, you've got some of the most epic covers ever. I mean, Superman's cape. Oh my God! Like, who who did you look at and say I, that's why I like? Um, the the first artist I probably really recognized, uh, and, and it was three of them. Like, you all of a sudden hit the age where you start to notice difference in, differences in comics. And it was Gil Kane, Neil Adams, and Jack Kirby, where all of a sudden I looked at it and said, this comic doesn't look like that comic, and there's a reason for it, but why is that? And then you start to realize, well, they're done by different people. So it would have started with that. And then beyond that, I think I'm influenced by anybody I looked at. And certainly uh, Walter Simonson, who had just this really incredible storytelling technique, and uh, Mike Grell, when he was writing and drawing stuff like Warlord and things like that, there were just... I always say you're influenced by everybody you look at, and sometimes it's learning what not to do as much as it is learning what to do. I can see that. That's uh, well, it's, Simonson's great, like amazing. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. He's beyond great. Yes. You've gotten to create a lot of really awesome characters over time. Have you ever wanted to go off and do your own characters? Or, well, I, mean, I know you've done a few of your own characters, but did you prefer to do your own characters or work with established characters? I always like the mess. That I um, the nice thing about doing your own characters is you get to a point where it is absolutely your voice and you are the authority, right? I mean, if you're doing your own thing, no one can say, "Well, hey, you know, Popsicle Boy would not have reacted like that," because you can always say, "Yeah, I could. I created him. I know." When it's something different, like Superman, for example, uh, at that point you are doing an interpretation, and you're part of a longer list of creators who have really added to that character's overall tapestry. And so that's a little bit different, but I enjoy the mix. And I think there's, I've always said that the idea is to do a couple of things at the same time because it keeps you fresh. Uh, it does for sure. me anyway. And so, um, like at one time early in my career, I was doing both Warlord and Sun Devils. One was a book about a guy with a sword killing dinosaurs. The other one was spaceships in space. But that it, that difference helped keep me fresh. That's awesome. And like Booster Gold's, just one note in the manner of things that you've done, and what I'm, we all, all of us back at the store and on the podcast love Booster Gold like so much. Yeah. I, the check is in the mail. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I was that was actually the next question. I, as as the creator, Booster Gold. Uh, are you happy with where it's gone, with, with his character over time, or do you feel like you, you wish you had him back or something? Well, you know, I, I wish he was on, like, issue 527 of a series. Uh, that would be nice. But, you know, at the same time, um, he's been around for 30 years now. And I think it's, it's really cool that there is that 
that group and fandom that really does have an affection for the character. And and that's great. Uh, it was fun to get back and do them again as part of the Convergence project. Oh, yeah. And we have a, an interesting development coming up in the Booster Gold Convergence number two, which ships oh. next week. So we're, we're setting it up so that Booster's adventures can continue. I'm super excited about that. If you were stranded on an island, desert island, what five things would you take with you? And these five things can be people, they can be items. Uh, what five items or people would you take with you? Okay, if I take a TV, does it work? <laughs> or I'm does gonna, a generator have to I'm going to say you probably need the generator with okay. it. Okay, all right. So on an island, uh, uh, let's see. Uh, I'd have to take like a box of my favorite reading material because obviously going to be there for a while. Um, TV and a generator just so I have some sense of contact with sure. the modern world. You know, Gilligan's Island, they had the radio, and then they peddled their own generator to make it work. I'll just bring one. Solar powered because uh, we're running out of gas. Uh, probably bring my wife with me just so I have someone to talk to. And then I'm down to one more, right? Yes. You know how on Star Trek uh, they had like the little uh, food making machines? So yes. You, say, you know, uh, tea, uh, soda, uh, steak, medium rare. That would be handy on a desert island. Replicator, yes. There you go. That's I'll very good. Thanks for the official term, by the way. Well, one of the very few things. You, yeah. you can thank our buddy Curtis, because he would have slapped me for it. <laughs> okay. It's all about it. Okay. Um, okay, so, last one. If you lived in Fantasyland... Oh, I thought for sure you were going to say Ginger and Mary. No, no, no. Wow. Well, <laughs> well that's, that should be obvious, because it's both. Yeah. There you uh, go. <laughs> um, so, if you lived in Fantasyland, would you ride a chocolate pony? No. No? No. Did you do it Yeah. Yeah. Make a mess. That's understandable. You can ride a chocolate pony. I can't even hold the square of a Hershey's bar without it melting, so yeah. <laughs> well, it's understandable. There's a lot of different reasons why. If it rains, he get wet, melty. Yeah. Well, Dan, again, okay. like we appreciate your time and taking some time to send talk with us. Again, we, I mean, like I said, all of us at the show love Booster Gold. Thank and, you. like, super excited when we saw the, the two-part coming out for Convergence because... It's Booster Gold, and you doing Booster Gold, which is makes it even better. Sure. Thank you. So that's obviously a top five comment right there. So that's great. Very excellent. Yep. Thanks. So appreciate Thanks. It. My pleasure, guys. All right. We want to thank the guys again um, over over DC. Uh, Michael Lee lays on for setting stuff up for us, and uh, Dan for taking the time to talk. Uh, that particular evening, actually, they had both got delayed in LAX for about two hours, and their flight, they wound up getting in super late that night, so I was really glad that we still got to spend a little bit of time and hang out. So appreciate that a lot uh, for the guys taking the time for us, because uh, it made for a rough evening for everybody. Anyway, um, let's do some books to watch. Can I say something real quick? Yeah, you can. Dan f- reminds me of my dad for some reason, Yeah. and I don't know why. I just wanted to say that. You know, I can see the, in, in the nose and the jaw. I can see that. He just reminds me of my dad. Huh. So does Sylvester Stallone, so I don't know what's yeah, going Well, on. that's the whole, his wily eyes, man. Yeah. I'm telling you. Anyway. <laughs> well, let's do some uh, books to watch. Uh, yeah, who wants to go first? Oh, Rob does. Rob? Sure. Um, surprisingly enough, Master of Kung Fu. Fantastic books. Definitely worth checking out. Um, as we get out of Secret War... Uh, I think all new, all different Avengers is actually going to be a really good story. Um, 
Let's see, we got uh, a bunch of new titles. They're going to be starting over in DC. But Teen Titans has been fantastic so far still. Yeah. Um, actually, I'm really excited to check out what's going to happen with Truth, with Action Comics and Superman. And Batman and Wonder, or Superman and Wonder Woman, and what? Batman and Superman. It's going to go through a bunch of titles. <laughs> I hopefully what they're going to do is the truth is just going to be a header, so you know Superman is depowered, and it's not going to be every issue is connected. From but I don't I, know. From what I've heard, it's every issue is connected. That's going to make things every rough. title with Superman in it. Waterfall of Truth. Yeah, that's going to make things rough. I'm bludgeoning you to death. Doesn't bit. make sense at all. Yeah. Which I, it, no, it does. But uh, the new era for the Green Lantern looks like it's going to be really good. And Justice League America, I think. I'm really looking forward to see what's going to happen with that. And if there's any title that was actually affected by Convergence, it's actually going to be Justice League United, which might be really interesting to see. Um, I think Gotham by Midnight, I said last time, and Constantine looks like it's going to be a lot darker. Although the art doesn't reflect it, I think the stories are going to be a lot closer to Hellblazer. So... And it's called Hellblazer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they changed the name in order to, I don't know, I guess move it forward a little bit or something. They just need to move that damn title back to Vertigo. Right. And let them do what they need to. That would make perfect sense. But they want to be able to play with Batman and Superman and everybody else. Yeah. If you go over Vertigo, the only place we can play with is FBP, which I think is awesome, but at the same time, can't, it doesn't work. Yeah, I, I thought they actually did a really good job with Constantine. I thought it was actually a pretty good series. Um, probably one of my favorite parts of the whole Constantine series, though, was when he and Shazam met up. Right, and they had the split where he took his powers. Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. But um, I I have a feeling this is going to be a pretty good run, so we'll see. My whole problem with Constantine, hmm. the, the last series, hmm. he was too involved with heroes. I don't think that's where Constantine needs to be. Leave that for Zatanna. And go back to your supernatural world. I think that's where he thrives. And that may be where we're going in here, mm-hmm. but who's to say? Right. Well, if, if they would take him out of DC proper mm-hmm. and put him back in Vertigo, he can do what he needs to. And that's where he found his success, was in Vertigo. Oh, yeah. But that didn't translate to television sales or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So... Now they success, I guess you could say. Right. Well, now now they didn't renew the season for the second season of the show, even if it does run up surfacing someplace else. Um, maybe they've they've decided to change that in the book too, for the same reason. Mm-hmm. Ain't break, don't fix it, people. Hundred three hundred issues. But how many now. how many people are going to watch a TV show called Hellblazer? I, well, you know what I mean. It's going to get a lot of negative press. Mad's going to no, not mad. Uh, Sci-fi? Groups are going to spring up. Mothers Against Drunk Driving, not mad. Hate, hate groups against the title of the show. Hellblazer, you know what I mean? When he said who's going to watch, and the hands started going up in the room, I was like, dude, they can't see you. I would, I, I would <laughs> I know, watch it. I know, I know, I know. But I like that that seedy undertone of the supernatural world. Right. Demonic possession, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think that that's money for Hellblazer. He doesn't get that when he's playing in House of Mystery. Yeah. And I, I will say, in, in the defense of the previous series, I think it started off right where it needed to. And I agree with that. I do. I, I think it. It uh, they they decided to have him get wrapped in with, um, the forever evil stuff. Yep. And I think that's where, you know, the superhumans came into it being a big part, and it, it kind of derailed where they were going with Constantine, with the exception of the Shazam story, which was fantastic. Right. Well, they did bring in the Spectre. 
Mm-hmm. They brought in uh dude with the hat. Question. No. Um, Mr. E. No, the stranger. Oh, Phantom, yeah, Phantom Stranger. stranger. Yeah. They brought him Although in. Although I liked every name we just said. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. E winds up being in there, too, yeah. But Phantom Stranger was more of a supernatural book than Constantine turned out to be. And then they got roped in with the Trinity of Sin, which just... And then Blight, Forever Evil Blight. Yeah. And that was just a crap fest. Yeah, Blight was... Regardless of how you look at it, it was a crap fest. Yeah. If they could have kept, terrible. if they could have kept the supernatural elements of that book, supernatural, and not gone into the superhero port, I think it would have been so much better for that book. But I did really like Justice League Dark with. I, I, I agree with that because Shazam with the magic portion, mm. it works well. I agree with that, but I, I think Constantine should be a darker book than what is allowed in DC, and that means going back to Vertigo. I understand that. It's quite possible, yeah. So, sorry, go ahead. No, that's all right. And, and we'll see when this comes up. I, the other thing that was rough, I think, for, for the previous Constantine book was, you know, you had Phantom Stranger and you had Pandora running at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of cut into what makes him unique. Oh, yeah. Know? But Pandora was crap, too. It was a negligible she, character that didn't had, mean anything. She had magic guns. <laughs> I mean, it was kind of funny because she was supposed to be such a huge deal, mm-hmm. and, and she turned out really it just pittered. She yeah. kind of got lost in the shuffle. Yeah, she she might be a great support character though. She looked cool. She really she looked cool, mm-hmm. but the whole thing about her there was no mystery. I wanted her to be void so bad from the Wildcat. Oh, man, if yeah. you really connected to that, that'd been awesome. I, I wanted her to be void so much, uh, and it just it didn't happen. God, F or fail, people. God, I actually thought is... she was going to be uh, Darkseid's daughter the whole time. Oh, really? They would always talk about Darkseid's daughter, and then she would show up as like this mysterious woman, and you'd be like, oh, I wonder. Right. Well, that would have made sense. Huh. But instead she has magic guns. <sighs> that doesn't make a character cool. She does gun, gun foo. Which is awesome. If she was in Hong Kong, she would be a god. That's a good point. <laughs> she has two guns. Shining fat hanging out with her. Yeah. Shooting shit up. Samo Hung. Well, he does kung fu. Same thing. She does kung fu. Kung same, fu. Same, same thing. Need Chai Young. Yeah. Anyhow, continue. Jackie John, Chan. Johnny Wu. Is that what you're saying? Well, you need some Johnny Wu. Yeah, too. Johnny Wu. Right. Uh, Ross, you got some books to watch? Yeah. Like Robin, Son of Batman. Oh, yeah. And Cyborg. And Justice League is going crazy now, too, again. Um, Question for you. Mm-hmm. The whole Dark Side War, is mm-hmm. that going to be solely contained within Justice League? Yeah. So there's not going to be any tie any... Okay. No. Nope. I thought it was going to continue over into Justice League of America. No, Justice League of America is a totally different thing. Okay. Yeah, Justice League of America is just different stories with the same group of people, basically. It was interesting to me... And I know this is just going to be something I have to wrap my head around because we're not doing consecutive timelines. But like, it was really strange to me for Justice League to have Cyborg already have the regenerating body, and yet we have Superman and Batman. Like, just... Ah. Oh, yeah. I think Cyborg is going to directly tie into Justice League, where the other two won't yet. But I think in, after the Dark Side War thing is over, they'll probably do one of their jumps to where... It'll be the new Batman and the new Superman. And, yeah, probably. Um, and then on, on top of those DC ones, uh, I originally didn't want to, but I've really been getting into the Marvel Star Wars stuff. 
just turned out to be really good. Like all of it has been. <laughs> and so those are, those are mine to so, look for. So I, I'm sure you're going to do him. Our good buddy Lando. Heck yeah. 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 Good buddy Lando. Yeah. The only book I wanted people to watch for because Lando. <laughs> Curtis? I don't want to do this. <laughs> no, is, is it because of our good buddy Lando? No, because I love Lando, platonically. Um, no, I was resistant to the Star Wars thing too, and I even right. I even told you don't give me any fuck. Yeah, I know. Don't give me any Star Wars. I know. As the same boat. And then Ross had Star Wars, Darth Vader, and then he tells me about uh, BT and Triple Zero, and that sold me immediately. <laughs> So watch Darth Vader. I don't like Darth Vader as a character. Um, because, honestly, I equate him to Hitler. Because he killed a planet. He killed all these people. But yes, he did redeem himself with Palpatine. I give him that. But he still did all that crap. So I don't like him as a character at all. But I like BT and I like Triple Zero. And uh, Afra, I think her name is. And mm-hmm. it, she's going to be a good character too. Because she knows what she's doing. And she expects to be killed. Because, she, yeah, exactly. So she knows what she's doing. She expects to be killed. I think she's a good hero. I picked up the Leia book because of the X Wing pilot. Solely because of that, because I don't like Leia as a character either. But that X Wing pilot's pretty cool right now. And she's got R2. Hmm. I'm still not going to get Star Wars. Uh, but I will pick up Lando because he's as cool as the other side of the pillow. That's right. So, <laughs> look out for those. Um, Invincible, of course. Uh, since Mike's not here, Black Science, Deadly Class. Sure. Yeah. I don't read those, but I think those are good for him. Um, They're good books. Yeah. And I, Bill and Ted. Heck yeah. It leads into Chrononauts, which is its sequel. Kind of. Yeah, it really, <laughs> really could easily be that. Uh, keep an eye out for uh, Future Imperfect as well. Uh, there's only two issues of that, correct? Uh, I want to say three. Oh, really? I think. I don't remember that for sure. Yeah. Oh, Infinity Gauntlet was damn good, too. Oh, yeah. I was surprised how good it was. Oh, and just for the fun of it, uh, Battle World 2 has a great duck, a vampire duck. Oh, yeah, that's right. Duckula. Straight up versus Blade. And there may or may not be a guest appearance of Duck Blade. (laughs) Dang it. (laughs) It is like the highest ridiculous quality I've seen in a minute. I I was super. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I was excited. It was. It... But uh, God, there's usually a lot more independent stuff that I read, but I can't think of any. It's, it's probably because of duck vampires. It's probably because I immersed myself with Star Wars and Marvel the last <laughs> few days. Oh, you know that Dark Side War was legit. Or the Justice League, yeah. And um. Well, simply because Mr. Miracle's in it. Right. He's a character that I've loved forever. So, I mean, It's cool, because I, I can totally see so many people getting into Mr. Miracle after Oh, really? Too. Yeah, it's, I could it, see them building him into it. It's like going to be just like Star-Lord. Yeah. Because I loved Star-Lord <laughs> way before, but now... But no, I, Mr. Miracle's freaking phenomenal in that. He even throws his discs... That's cool. But it doesn't hurt Darkseid. Uh, well, if anybody yeah. was wondering, it doesn't hurt Darkseid at all. <laughs> uh, one thing with that one, while we're at it, I liked that they actually gave Darkseid like, a personality in this. Oh my, he actually yeah, seems yeah. like he's like an evil 
And when he showed up at the start of Justice League, he was just like a giant monster that they poked out his eyes. Right. Like that. <laughs> no, he, he, and I'm going to spoil a lot, but he literally shoots Mr. Miracle through the thighs with his Omega Beams. Jeez, that's crazy. And then he starts crushing him by stepping on him. Yeah. And you can tell how giant Darkseid is because his foot takes up two-thirds of his body. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, so, that's cool. But no, read that book because it's going to be fantastic. And I've sworn off DC and Marvel, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to follow through. <laughs> that's like all we've talked about. Yeah, now. but don't 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 get me any. <laughs> all right. Um. God, I think that's it. All right. Uh, well, I would say Lando, of course, and then uh, the issue 144, The Walking Dead. It's supposed to be a pretty big, pretty big deal. They're going to finish off the current arc, and then we're going to have some wild stuff happen. Apparently, the, from what we understand, pre- preview-wise, it's going to be pretty important. So 144, watch for that one uh, if you're a Walking Dead fan and whatnot. Um, uh, last episode I said we stand on guard, and I think that's, that's the thing is going to be awesome. No, man. I'm telling you, man, Canada. We cannot awesome. fight Canada. No, but we're going to try to. God damn. That's what the is about. Maybe it's just the red flag and the leaf. I do like bacon, though, like a lot. That's Canadian bacon. That's, that's ham. Right? syrup. I like syrup, too, there I guess. Boom, syrup. That's they didn't it. create... No. Yeah. no, they didn't create... No. <laughs> they didn't create syrup. <laughs> the best they have is, like, French-Canadian anything. Man. Well, maple syrup. Is, like, there are, there are a lot of pretty it, Canadian ladies. What does that have to do saying, with anything? I There's a lot of pretty American ladies. I know. I, I'm trying to... It's just getting deeper. They're, they're all over the world, Steve. Yeah. Women Canadians? are everywhere. Canadians. Yeah. Well, both. Canadians could all be. Right. They have mastered flight, eh? It's <laughs> true. We're <laughs> all about it. The sign doesn't go, I wish they could all be Canadian girls. That's right? true. You're right. That's a good point. I do love Katy Perry. Is that it? Is that all yeah, you got? Yeah, that's pretty much all I got. Can I, I give uh, some news at the end of this? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Star Wars 6, what happened? Why is that such a good oh, book? Oh, man, you want me to really read I know it? why it is. You know why? I mean, it's because it's Han Solo... Apparently oh, he's been... He's been married. Married. Yeah. I don't understand that. No, well, I'm sure it's one of those things like Gambit married to the lady of the, or the daughter of the king of the thieves, or blah, 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 blah. Uh, Assassin's Guild head? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sure it's something, something like that, I'm sure. Here's what's crazy about that. Huh. There's been rumors that uh, the girl in the new Star Wars trailer is his daughter. Foolish. That's but it's been that's been the rumor since like way before we even found out about this. Oh well, yeah, but people are saying that's him and Leia's daughter. No, they've just been saying it's Han's daughter. Well, yeah, whatever. <laughs> if it was Lando's daughter, I'd love it. Heck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Those out of the pillow. That's right. It's sad. The only thing I can think is, do you think Han shot first? Like. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, <laughs> man, that's not your max wife. <laughs> you know, just like Greedo. No, you know, I we'll see, but I find it highly unlikely that Jason Aaron, what he's writing in the books, is going to have that big of an effect on the movies. In all honesty, don't get me wrong, I like Jason Aaron just fine, and so far Star Wars has been great, but I find it unlikely that. This seed or kernel that's in there for the, for this particular arc of things is going to all of a sudden change the way we should look at Empire Strikes Back. I just don't buy it. You know they're releasing three novels that are going to re-novelize A New Hope, 
Empire Jedi. You mean rewrite them? They're going to re-novelize them and have uh, go deeper into detail of characters. Mm. So, so still don't care. It's I, weird. I've as far as this like, is like Star Wars Central right now. The comics and the video games and stuff. Right. I've heard that they brought people into like rooms with guards and nothing else and shown them stuff from these movies. And they've had they've been told to write in the universe. So really, hmm. well, Kieran yeah. Gillen, the guy who's doing Darth Vader, mm-hmm. spot on, right? With his characterization of Darth Vader and these two new droids, Triple Zero and BT, right? Those guys are crazy. Mm. That's what got me because he said, "Oh, this guy, this one's got machine guns." <laughs> God dang, really? It's an R five droid, right? I'm there. Well, we'll we'll see, but I I say don't jump the ship yet, guys. Come on now. Even if they are going to re-novelize to tell more story of a story, it's not going to shift the entire movie canon because that's all that Disney has to lean on in the first place. Like kicking your crutch out from underneath you. I don't think it's really changing anything, though. It's just adding extra stuff Yeah, because there's a lot more that happened within from different people's perspectives in A New Hope, in Empire. They're probably going to look well, at those I mean, perspectives. They're, 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 and Timothy Zong wrote two books, so we don't care about those. Well, let's go start, those aren't canon anymore. Well, no, they weren't canon in the first place. They're Shadow of the Empire, ones. is that what you're talking about? Yeah. yeah, that was a badass book. It was. Sorry. It's all right. No, it's good that it's... We're delving it's into awesome. Star Wars, and I don't even like Star Wars. Oh, I, I don't buy anything Star Wars. Star Wars. Boycott such Disney. a liar. <laughs> well... <laughs> Well, I've only liked it for like three years now. I'll go to the theme park, mm. maybe, I guess. I don't know. I like a little theme park. Damn it, Ross! Star Wars theme park? Yeah, Disneyland. They have one? Yeah. Yeah. When did this happen? I like how his eyes lit up like a child. It's, it's always been it's that been way. It's been there for a while, yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, they've always had the one ride, and now they're expanding the one ride. Well, to I, the whole I always think going to like the Enterprise exhibits are going to be amazing. I went to that the, when they had the Star Trek yeah. experience at Las Vegas. Was it crap? Mm-hmm. No, it was, it was pretty right. cool. Yeah, the one we went to was awesome. Yeah. I was a little kid and knew nothing about Star Trek and thought it was awesome. So, like, let's talk about Star Trek and then there's crickets. Let's talk about Star Wars and everybody's up in arms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, there was something we found out really cool huh. about Star Wars today, or Star right. Trek today. Oh, right, right. A, a uh, Kickstarter thing. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, folks on Kickstarter, if uh, you are Trek fans, which you should be, um, Leonard Nimoy's son, Alan is putting together a documentary called For Love of Spock, and he's looking for funding on Kickstarter because he wants to get it done before the 30th anniversary. That way it can come out around that time. 30th? Uh, 50th. 50th, excuse me, 50th anniversary. It's 30th for Mega Man, that's what it is. Oh, yeah, that's, that's on right. you, pal. Yeah, no, why does it bring the crap up? God. Because <laughs> 50th anniversary for, uh, for Star Trek. And so he's pushing to get it done. Anyway, I if you if you've ever liked any part of the Star Trek, then help the brother out. You know. Anyway, uh, that's that for that. And so Nimoy didn't even want to do that. You know, he, he convinced his father to start working on it with him prior to him passing. No, I mean and he like, didn't want to be in Star Trek. Oh, oh yeah, that right. was just that was yeah, just a, just hey, I'm gonna go in and do this, right? So. Uh, it should be fairly interesting. Like, it'd be interesting to see that. There's supposed to be a whole bunch of home movie stuff and photos and stuff like that. So, like, things that most of us in the general population of the world haven't ever got to see. So, I think it'd be a fairly interesting thing to to try to help do. And I mean, 
don't know. There's worse things you can throw your money away on, but man, I think that'd be awesome to help a guy out and do it. Anyway, um, anything else? Nope. Okay. Gym sock. I think that's something. Tiki. Tiki. Do you don't ever say that again. Tiki. Tiki. Tiki.